Welcome to the Abbey Talks podcast series with myself, Lisa Farley, coordinator of the talks here at the Abbey. Over the course of the run of Frank McGuinness's Observe the Sons of Ulster Marching Towards the Somme, I've been asking members of the cast about their approach to research, their approach to these young characters steeped in a hundred-year-old context, and if their preparation was framed, formed and fed by a piece of prose, a piece of art, or by pure instinct and osmosis. What follows is a series of short interviews that gives insight, heart and a vocabulary when all words fail. Enjoy these podcasts. Uh, my name is Eirle McGowan and I, I play the character of John Mullen in Observe the Sons of Ulster Marching Towards the Somme. Um, I play a character who, who comes from Coleraine, North County Derry, and I go off, off to war, World War I, as it became known, uh, with uh, my great friend uh, William Moore, and the two of us go off together, and it's a case really of one trying to get the other over the line and, and vice versa, and uh, that's, um, that's, that's, that's where we begin, and sadly where we end. I think the good thing with this play, it's, you know, it's, it's a history play, you know, it's a memory play in that respect that uh, there's a lot of fact that can go on. Um, again, um, my character, as you quite rightly said, would have had a, a type of training before he went to, 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 to the Great War. But uh, in Northern Ireland, uh, the UVF was set up um, circa 1912. So my character, John Mullen, would have been uh, trained in um, Carson's army um, around 1912. Uh, and so he would have got his military training um, um, through that. And then... What happened then, when when the Great War broke out, uh, 1914-15, the um, the actual UVF uh, army that was set up to resist Home Rule at the time was sort of subcontracted into the army, so to speak. So uh, that's that's where I would have got my training from. So men like John Mullen, the character I played, would have had a really rich understanding of warfare, of armory, of guns, of shelling, and 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 the language, so to speak. So it would have held them in, in great stead. And I suppose it's no real coincidence that when it came to the war, it was um, the 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 th- Ulster Division, the Thirty Sixth Division, that that were held in in great esteem and were spoke of um, with such um, valor and gallantry when it came to to the war itself. But as I think, uh, as you quite rightly said, it was probably because of the great training they had pre-war in Northern Ireland, as it became. And I'm sure most of the Ulster Division were made up from the UVF. Um, In fact, that's why it was called Ulster Division, I think, because um, of an agreement between both sides. You know, I I start off, first of all, as I said, you know, this is a play based on, you know, there's huge swathes of historical, you know, research and and fact and essays and, you know, academia to dip dip into. Um, I always start off a play by, uh, or my character uh, build up by looking at the play itself, looking at um, the text for evidence. Um, I was quite fortunate fortunate uh, to be actually have been involved in the workshop of this play back in July last in London last year, and we spent a couple of days working on the play itself. So I was given a real rich uh, knowledge of of what the what the writer wanted and what the writer had and the evidence that was in the play for us to to pick from. Um, so then when it came to the auditioning time uh, again uh, much later, I, I looked at the play again for evidence. So I would look I would look at the text for two sources of, of, of evidence. What would I say about myself? 
and what do other characters say about me? And I think you know it's quite simple in its you know in its direction, but sometimes you you sort of leapfrog over those things. But everything's there initially, and then of course you can you know you can make assumptions based on the fact as long as it doesn't jar with anyone else's character or anyone else's relationship. So I had that to go from. I you know and Frank has you know a wonderful you know, rich script and all the characters are, you know, really fully formed, you know. Um, so there's so many colours there to, to, to use. So there's a great palette. And, you know, what I what I did then when I got cast in the, in the role, um, I went and I would have went to where he was from, Coleraine, just to get a real sense of, you know, the rhythm of the place, the temperature, you know, what the people were like. It might, might inform me of what John Mullen was like. Um, so I went to places like Coleraine and Bush Mills, which are mentioned in the play, uh, where they frequent quite a lot, uh, Mullen and Moore. And I also then went to, um, I listened to Frank a lot too. I thought it was quite useful to to listen to the to the author, even though Frank's not from Coleraine, where the character's from. You know, you can't help but, you know, sometimes adopt your own rhythms when you are writing, you know, text and, you know, writing prose. Um, so, yeah, that was quite useful um, in, in, in terms of having to, you know, maybe feel how the line should be coloured and, and so on and so forth. I had to then, I knew then that I had to, like, I had to play a soldier. I mean, I've <laughs> I'm not a soldier, you know, I'm an actor uh, and, uh, you know, I'm from a different place altogether. I'm from a, quite a nationalist background and this is a soldier from quite a, you know, a unionist, a Protestant background. So I, I would have did a lot of training before the um, play started uh, for two reasons. First of all, I knew I had to get into shape um, because... A, he was a soldier. B, he, he was a miller. Um, that's his industry. Uh, John Mullen was a miller from County, uh, from Coleraine. So obviously he was a man of quite you know, considerable strength, I would have thought. And also C, the practicalities of doing a sixth month tour. You know, uh, you had to really be in good shape. So I would have worked hard for three months with um, a colleague, a friend, who would have been uh, into his mixed martial arts. So... I went for the noble, really, uh, the boxing and the karate, because I thought maybe that would have been the sort of um, type of um, type type of sport that maybe someone like John Mullen might have been doing in order to train while he was, you know, working with the or training with the UVF and so on and so forth. So I, I I did a bit of I did a lot of boxing and a lot of karate, and and I I sort of really built myself up um, before the play started, and and, and it has held me in great stead. Um, because, you know, it, it is a quite a physical play. Not only are the characters physical with each other, but, you know, it's a quite a technical play. There's a lot of moving around. You're on stage all the time. Uh, a lot of guns, a lot of, you know, uniform, a lot of heavy uniform. And, yeah. So, you know, I really connected to the character. I really understood him. I, I thought it, well, I like to think I understood him. He's probably one of the, you know, he's not a complicated person, you know, and for me, um, I found that a, a challenge initially. Um, but I also found it refreshing, you know. You know, he was just a man an ordinary man that wanted to go off to fight. It was, uh, you know, to fight for the place where he loved and for the people who he loved most. And I didn't want to uh, overcomplicate that. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a love story between him and his people. And his people is re are uh, represented through his friendship with, with Willie Moore. And, you know, I, I understood that um, quite early on. And... Um, yeah, I really felt that I, I connected to the character. I, I, you know, 
I admired him, you know, and that's good for me, you know, to, to especially this history because this is a real, real education for me, and, and I'm so thankful for the play for allowing me access to this history. I mean, you know, you know, a hundred or so people went from my hometown of Letterkenny, which is a real nationalist town, you know, on the border between Derry and, and Donegal. And, you know, um, you know, and even in the, the Battle of the Somme, you know, eight people died from my hometown, four of them on the first day. And this, I never, uh, what? You know, because, again, it was a history that was passed over to the British side of things. And uh, these people were, you know, really sort of clipped and snipped out of, 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 of our history. You know, Catholics and Protestants from both sides went off to fight bravely, valiantly, honourably for, for their country and for their people uh, in the Great War and died selflessly because of that. Uh, has, it, has it changed me? Most definitely. Uh, it's changed me as an actor. It's maybe better as an actor. It's maybe more appreciative. But I think ultimately it's, it's given me a, a richer understanding of, of history. There's two wee things, um, and you know, um, and there was a poem that I read years and years and years ago that resonated when I first read it, and it's even more profound now because I'm living through it. And I, I, what it does, it sort of it rams home the uh, the two senses that were, were were sort of juxtaposed juxtaposed when when these men and, and women went off to fight in uh, the war there was a sense of excitement first i mean there was a sense of great sense of of expectation but on on the flip side of that there was like the, the horror and, and the grim reality of the situation that they found themselves in and you know i think this poem it shows how it affected those and how futile life itself became for for those people affected I knew a simple soldier boy who grinned at life in empty joy, slept soundly through the lonesome dark and whistled early with the lark. In winter trenches, cowed and glum with crumps and lice and lack of rum, he put a bullet through his brain. No one spoke of him again. You smug-faced crowds with kindling eye who cheer when soldier lads march by, sneak home and pray you'll never know. The hell where youth and laughter go. That's written by um, a war poet called Siegfried Sassoon, and it's called Suicide in the Trenches. And that's a poem that I read years ago, as I said, and it's only now through the play and through through being re-educated again, through all our you know lectures and readings and research and going to the Imperial War Museum and you know this rich collage we have now of, of what life was like. It's really, really hit home, you know, the um, just the real futility and the, just the lack of worth that was shown in the lives that were that were given up and the lives that were lost amongst the men themselves, you know. You know, we do all start off, you know, in the play with a sense of expectation and, you know, obviously, you know, trepidation slight, but I think it's overridden by this sense of you know, going off to fight in the war. We, we, we don't know when the play begins, you know, the way it will ultimately end up. You know, we're one of the first soldiers to go off to, to World War One. There's no reports coming back yet, you know, through the Belfast Telegraph or the Independent about, you know, the atrocities that are happening there. So for us, it's like, you know, it's, it's a holiday and it's a well-paid holiday. 
you know, especially for 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 characters like like John Mullen. So you know, uh, uh, this I think this poem definitely captures that sense as they go they they, they go off to war. It's it's a good thing. And again, as I said, my arc is that. So it's quite useful for me because the arc of the poem is just like the arc uh, of my character uh, within the play. Because this play is set in history, you know, and we've a lot of fact to, to well, you know, it'll be it'll be remiss of me not or us to not be looking at you know little looking for you know letters and reports and for what life was like in in in, in the trenches, and again because a large part of this play is in the trenches, you know. I really wanted to, to discover, you know, firsthand from primary evidence, you know, what life was like. Um, so I discovered a few letters over the over the course of the last few months, and you know, you know, they were all very very potent in their in their own ways. But um, this is uh, what I found was a letter that I felt not only was quite morbid but also balanced the everydayness of what life was like in the trenches and, and the attitudes within uh, the men themselves. So it's a, it's a letter, uh, it's written home to Belfast and it's, it's scrawled in, in pencil by uh, a private Herbert Beatty. Dear Mother, Just to let you know, I am safe and thank God for it. For we had a rough time of it in the charge we made, Mother. Don't let on to V. Quinn's mother or Archer's mother that they must be killed. Tell Hugh that the fellow that used to run along with E. Ferguson called Eddie Mahan, he used to have pigeons if Hugh doesn't know him, McEwen knows him. Tell them he was killed. Tell them that there is not another Grosvenor Road fellow left but myself. Mother, we were tramping over the dead. I will have something awful to tell you. If hell is any worse, I would not like to go to it. Mother, let me hear from you as soon as you can. That's something that you can't really pen yourself, you know. It's just, it's got that everydayness of life in the trenches, what life might be like back at home. The carnage of the trenches, linked with you know the families that you know will be related to the people who died in in, in the war. So that's that's uh, that's really informed me too. You know. <laughs>